through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Welcome back to The Longest Days of Our Lives, a 24 fan cast. It is day two, hour seven, and I am one of your hosts, Jack Bauer superfan Mike Cushing. And I am another one of your hosts, 24 newbie Curtis Perry. And I am your third and final host, and Jack Bauer, also superfan Michael Howard. Mm. Mm. Superfans mm. bring notes, bro. <laughs> yeah, somebody took a little trippy trip this week and uh, left their good notebook in Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, I like that notebook, too. It was full of notes, mm, particularly for this show. And now it's covered in sin because <laughs> it's the city you were in. I was actually just outside of Las Vegas. I never actually made it to Las Vegas. I went straight from the airport to Henderson, and then I didn't leave there, which well, is very sad. It's very, you're very sin sad. adjacent. Also, yeah. let's not forget, folks, that the strip itself is not in Las Vegas. It's in, in Paradise. Paradise. Correct. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Las Vegas is like the old old Vegas area and like South like South Las Vegas where quote unquote Las Vegas is is actually a technically paradise. Although I think it might be Las Vegas now. I'm not sure. Oh no, it's either unincorporated or it's, or it's paradise. It's not part yeah. of the, the city. Well, Any in that case who? in that case yeah. the one time I went to Las Vegas, I saw a man get stabbed in the tummy. In <laughs> some tums? Yep. Was a little fat. Well, that's why. Was so that's it why you, you see. That's and why was it, it in Reno? And did you do it just to watch him die? <laughs> no, it wasn't old Las Vegas. I was with a coworker who insisted that we had to go see old Las Vegas, and we saw like the main strip. And then he was like, "Okay, but the real casinos are back here." And we walked through a sketchy alley to see a man slumping down against a light pole, holding his tummy, and another man sprinting away <laughs> while two cops chased him. <laughs> and then we said, oh, "Okay." And we walked into a casino and didn't leave for three hours. Yeah. Anytime there's an alley in Las Vegas, any Mm-mm. part of Las Vegas, nope. you don't go in it. Nope. You don't go in it. Them's the rules. Yeah. Shit gets too real back there. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. It was almost like a portal to Dark Narnia. <laughs> but instead of cool Mr. Tumnus, it was just a guy getting murdered. He was Mr. Tum Tum. I'm about to say, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, pr- guys, previously on hour six of this this good show, um, some shit went down. We're building up to something, something clearly pretty big. But um, so previously, Sherry Palmer has arrived to ruin David Palmer's day uh, and <laughs> warn him about an alliance within his own administration that is uh, working to bring him down. Uh, Reza Nair's parents arrived just as he was being questioned by Tony Almeida for his ties to a terrorist financier. Whoopsie doodles. Um, but Reza turned the the old tables on his soon-to-be father-in-law and pointed that Bob Warner is responsible for the shady transactions to terrorist financier Syed Ali. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Bauer has taken full control over <laughs> Nina Myers' uh, interrogation by just uh, you know, drugging Agent Ed Miller, who had been sent to babysit uh, him and uh, him and Nina, and then and, and then shooting her like the evilest smile. It's just like this most subtle smile. I actually took a, I tried to take a screenshot of it uh, just so we could post it, uh, but it's just like the greatest like slow, almost like the Stephen Colbert slow smile when he was making fun of uh, shit the all shucky ducky guy. I can't remember his name right now. Uh, Damn yeah, it, it was. Uh, I, I was trying to figure out what that look was saying, and it, it like it's like a it novel. Just, There's so much in it. It's a four second scene where Jack just kind of like 
smiles, but, <laughs> but like doesn't. He doesn't like his eyes are smiling and his mouth just kind of gets a little less flat. And it's it speaks volumes of like the horrors he's going to visit upon Nina. Myers. Remember, so you remember uh, Steve Buscemi's character in Connie or Garland Green? That's mm-hmm. the smile. Do I? That's the smile that Jack gives. It's, oh, yeah. Slightly unhinged. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> full of malice and mm-hmm. promise. And, uh, of course, Kim Bauer and Miguel escape from, with Megan Matheson from St. Virgil's Hospital after Miguel roundhouse kicks Gary Matheson, uh, child beater and Kim beater, uh, kicks him right in the face, and mm-hmm. then they steal his car and drive away. Mm-hmm. So we open at um, 2 p.m., and uh, we open at Warden Air Base in L.A. where we see some nerd-ass CTU agents waiting on the tarmac. And uh, the hum van carrying Jack and Nina and a very sleepy Ed Miller pulls up on the tarmac next to the plane. And Jack and Nina get out. And she just immediately starts telling the CTU agents like that Jack drugged Miller. And uh, she wants them to tell George Mason. And one Dude, of them th- just goes, sorry, go ahead. I was say, I thought that one of the FBI agents, Rick. I think his name was. I thought he was Rudy for a second. I, I so definitely... he shows up in a minute. So that's yeah. Rick Phillips. Yeah. 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 But you know who he is, right? We'll talk about it. Yeah, but... we'll get there. Well, <laughs> he's introduced in a moment. First, we're, before we get to Rick, we're going to meet Agent Doug. For you to be uh, Doug, the old Duggar. <laughs> old Duggar, who just hears Nina's complaint and says, uh, ask Jack, Ed's in the van. And Jack says, yeah, he'll come to in about 20 minutes. He'll have a bit of a headache. And uh, Jack does, or Doug, don't give any sort of shit about that and just says, uh, Jack, you've got command authority. And, like, he just walks past them and Nina gives this, like, little gasp that she's just, like, utterly shocked that Jack is not following the rules. Yeah. Hey, 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 Nina, you just got Dougied, all right? (laughs) (laughs) Jack went ahead and pre-Dougied, made sure to clear things with the Dougie, Mm -hmm. and uh, got you where he wants you, girl. That is how you Dougie. But what's weird, though, is she knows him. She's worked with him, like, for a long time. She, This can't be a surprise to her. This can't yeah, I just, be. Yeah, I just wrote in all caps, you know this man. Right. <laughs> like, clear, like, why would you expect, she's like, oh, okay, this Jack Bauer who hasn't been working for a year and was only called back to stop a nuclear bomb and with the woman who killed his wife was like, this is a guy with restraint who's going to follow the rules today. <laughs> he must be. He's probably a changed man since I murdered his wife in cold blood at CTU. Yeah. I mean, come on. You you know that he, he fucking shot G-Mace with a dart last year to knock him out. You think he mm-hmm. won't drug Miller? Mm-hmm. He, yeah, like, he, he knocked out G-Mace with a, a trank dart <laughs> just because he thought he might be dirty. <laughs> like, no solid proof. Um, but yeah, so Nina, for not the, f- not for the first time this episode or the last time is just shocked by Jack's <laughs> behavior and, but they both walk onto the plane and here's where we meet FBI agent Rick Phillips and his partner Harris, who's just kind of a nerd with a laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Phillips kneels next to Jack as he handcuffs Nina to the seat and says he knows what he did to Miller and I'm going to keep an eye on you. And I, yeah, so I noticed that this is a shockingly young and very clean-shaven Michael Cudlitz who plays Bull from Band of Brothers and Abraham on The Walking Dead. Yep. Mm, yeah, I don't. He says, I don't watch it, either one of those things. So you haven't seen you ain't seen Band of Brothers, bro. No. 
Bro, guess what? Nah. Michael, guess what? Okay, Michael, we're canceling our plans for Furfest. <laughs> we're going to watch Band of Brothers yeah, no, all yeah, 10 yeah, hours yeah, of you it. You have to. Now, while I will admit that Band of Brothers completely sloshes over the fact that black people even fought in World War II, it still is a what? fantastic miniseries. And I heavily enjoyed it, and you should watch it. It is very good. Yeah. Yeah. Real, real. So how long How long do you give uh, old Ricky boy here before Jack incapacitates him? So I actually, I did write, so Jack tells him to do himself a favor, stay out of this, and just do your job and get us to Vesalia. And he says, well, my job is to keep Nina safe so the operation proceeds smoothly. And then he looks at Nina and says, consider me your new chaperone. And I have in all caps, Curtis, how many minutes would you estimate remain in this man's life? <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I thought about it logically. I really did. Um, one. We we know how great Abraham is at chaperoning people, um, but uh, so I said to myself, okay, what we've seen is that the lower grade you go in the Department of Justice, the better you appear to be at your job, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Like EMTs and local police are fantastic at responding and getting there on time. That's a it's a good point. Secret we have, service, we have another. Secret uh, service is hot garbage. NSA is just a total clusterfuck. Let's not, you know, go there. But the FBI is like that, just that one tier kind of above your local PD. I'm thinking your boy makes it two whole episodes. Ooh, two eppies. Okay. Yeah. It, it is interesting, though, because for some reason they're setting the FBI to be like the guys in Jack's way <laughs> right now. Because CTO has been blown to shit. So now the FBI just be like, all right, follow that rule book. Also, well, one thing I don't understand, and I mean, we can talk about it later, but when they get off the plane in Vesalia, they meet another guy from the FBI, and then and Jack introduces Rick and Harris, the two FBI agents, to the FBI guy, which is so very I, odd to me. I thought Rick was an FBI guy. He might be CTU, or he might just be he might they might be FBI from LA meeting the FBI from. Again, Vesalia. I cannot stress enough that Vesalia <laughs> is a town of a hundred thousand people, and it like, so, like the guy they meet later, the FBI agent delivers a line of dialogue like, "This is like a metropolitan city that has like the Garden District." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, so, he tells him the address. He's like, "Oh, that's not far from here." Yeah, no fucking shit. Nothing <laughs> is that far from the goddamn Vesalia Airport. It's like, by the way, Vesalia Defo can't have an airport yeah absolutely not nope no way an but airport for the for these small little private jets pri- it's a it's charter planes sure um but so nina seems to weigh this information that rick phillips is now her <laughs> chaperone and you can kind of see her doing the math uh in her head that a man named rick phillips is not gonna do gonna be even a stepping stone in jack bauer's way nah. um and she just takes a very deep breath uh so they buckle up and jack sits down and he says that he needs two lines of communication to see to you uh, including one for the translators uh for when they meet mahmoud fahin the uh terrorist who had kind of arranged this whole deal with uh walsh no what was the guy's name the it wasn't walsh what uh joe w- joe Wald. 
Joseph Wald. Wald. Okay. Joseph Wald. Uh, there we go. The guy who had arranged this whole thing with Joseph Wald, the terrorist uh, who had the patriot who had shot himself in the head uh, last week. So uh, Agent Harris looks at him and says, it's already done. So they start to take off and Nina gives Jack a pretty calculating side eye and we get a tiny clock. Please take a drink. It is 2.04 as the jet leaves the ground and we all land in the hellscape known as the Warner household. God damn it. <laughs> Fucking Dude, and I will say see... some one thing about this episode though. They gave us a good like fifty minutes. Fifty three minutes actually, without <laughs> she who shall remain unnamed until, until the fifty third minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was this is the most enjoyable of her time on this show, I think, that I've yeah. ever yeah. seen. I so. actually thought until that moment that we might make it. The whole way. Well, I didn't even think about it. I was just like, wow, yeah. this is a really good episode of this show. Well, and no, then she no. showed up at at minute 53 and I was like, oh, right. right. Well, they started, they started to prepare you for the Kimming, um at the end. We'll get to, to, to the preparation to kind of get you down <laughs> on your hopes mm-hmm. and dreams. And, and and how it kind of escalated from there, but yeah, yeah, it was it was an interesting. Yeah, but let's go to the the there. second worst place. Uh, oh God! And the second worst character, uh, Kate Warner, is watching out a window and she sees Raisin a year and Agent Richards, who has managed to leave the house, watching a car with Raisin's parents leave, and uh, they walk back inside, and uh, we hear Marie Warner, Kate's sister, walk up behind her and say, uh, "Way to go, Kate! You broke his parents' heart too." And she says, I'm so sorry, Marie, but I don't know what these government people found. And believe me, I wish they hadn't found anything. Bullshit. But aren't you curious why they're asking dad questions? Uh, and she just goes on to say that it's because Reza is connected to bad people. Not really putting together that Reza was let go and Bob <laughs> is now being questioned. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that point just like kind of goes completely away from them. This is like, you know, what did you tell? What did you tell him about my dad? Well, kind of told well, him the truth, Curtis. I mean, I, you know, I know this is hard for you to understand where you come from. Like, mm-hmm. Kate is just tired of the government just taking someone like Reza's word for it when he says he's not guilty, and then mm-hmm. pinning it immediately on the white guy, the oh, older white man, yeah, the, the older white guy. man. I see, like, you minute, just don't on. get it. See. Hold on a you don't understand. No. Like no. she's tired of them taking Razor's word for it. You Wait, know? you're telling me, you're telling me that the law enforcement mm-hmm. community would mm-hmm. not do due diligence on both sides of the argument. They would just exactly. listen to someone over someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and then no, no, no. They're all upstanding citizens. I swear <laughs> to God, man. Um, they all believe think, in the rule of law uh, and I justice. I think that's probably the. The most progressive thing that's happened on 24 is that, like, Reza was like, yeah, it's Bob. He's the guy who did it. And Tony was just like, all right, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was real happy. That me. actually adds up. The the rich, evil white dude, he, kinda, <laughs> he has a goatee. Fuck, he's got a goatee. He obviously did it. Yeah, I, I wrote this down. And I was like, I love the fact that you got the Hispanic dude and the black guy coming into the white dude's house while he's wearing a white Tommy Bahama shirt preparing for his uh, his daughter's wedding. And he gets he gets pinned up. I'm like, oh, that's that's beautiful. Uh, His daughter, who's it's wearing a tied fuck, like don't don't no don't don't don't, don't her, like, no. We'll talk about reward later. Please don't mention it right now. <laughs> I just I can't. I cannot. I I just love that in every scene she's continually retying her shirt to show her midriff. Right. 
it's delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of Marie, though, she does accuse Kate of starting a witch hunt within her family. And uh, as Kate says that they need to figure out what's going on or their dad could be hurt by everything. Reza walks in and says, Marie, we need to talk. And Kate demands to know what he told the CTU agents. And uh, so Reza points a finger at Kate and says, I did more for your father than you'll ever know. And all I've gotten from you is suspicion and resentment. And I'm fucking sick of it. He says, I don't know any terrorists, but I do know that you paid someone to dig up dirt on me. And all he found was shit about your dad. (laughs) And Kate, for some reason, really takes that personally and is upset that Razy put Bob's name in his mouth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Put some uh, respect on that name. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, don't you make this about my father. And she's like, well, Kate, you kind of did that yourself. And Marie tells them both to stop and walks out, and Reza is breathing very heavily and tells Kate that she's done very good work today, and he follows Marie out of the room. Like, so, so Bob is, he's the head of some kind of conglomerate, right? Something. It, mm-hmm. He does something. Yeah. Seems like an insurance company or some shit. Right, like, I feel like Kate should know that you don't, you don't have a private investigator look into your business dealings uh-huh. even tangentially so that seems like yeah, a bad idea right to be that's like hey, fair. extra scrutiny on my business and i will say sorry curtis go ahead no it's so you say that michael um as if you think that even children who have a, 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 just an understanding whatsoever of what their their parents businesses are uh would have restraint on something remember that Bernie Madoff's children worked for him for over 20 years and had no fucking clue what he was doing. This girl has no clue. She doesn't know. She just thinks, my daddy's perfect. He's above board. That's a good point. But this this evil brown man, <laughs> he's doing something. And I can't have that. I think the big thing is, though, like... So, Michael, you speak about that. So, Warner Enterprises, it's an international company. Mm-hmm. Like... Almost certainly that company has its own security apparatus and, like, investigators and shit that, like, Kate would know about because she's involved in the company. Correct. Like, she would just go through them. Like, there's no reason she would ever hire a private investigator rather than just be like, hey, I found some suspicious shit in the books. I think someone needs to look at Reza. Well, if she hired the investigator, then Reza and Bob would know. He's the CFO. That's true. I mean, Bob would know. You just need to call. You need to call Ben Affleck as the accountant to come in. That's a, and that's a different, clean house. It's a different service. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you saw the whole but it's movie. More, some more finality to it. <laughs> yeah. Really. Uh, so we cut to the Ed Rock where uh, Sherry is making arrangements with someone on the phone. As uh, chief of staff, Mike Novick returns. Fucking Mike is back. They have a lovely reunion, and he asks if David asked her to come, and she said, no, I just showed up my own. And um, she tells Mike that it's been a challenging year, but what's the old saying? We learn from our mistakes and grow from our misfortunes. And Y'all he asks if she... Yeah. Is it? And he no. asks if she's told that to David, and she's like, he's not ready to hear that. <laughs> Y'all, I wrote, I, wrote, I wrote this down in the notes, and I was like, hey, if, if it's a policy that XYs are just allowed to walk up into John's with the president in it, it's going to be an interesting fucking four years, y'all. It's going to get real around here. <laughs> well, shit, Ivanka, or Ivana, Ivana is already 
talking shit about how she's know. first lady. What is just like <laughs> fucking shows up and they're like, we can't do anything about it, sir. It's your ex-wife. That's them the rules, man. <laughs> Ivana and Marla are just up in that that house. Mm-hmm. It's it's bad. Marla, um, Marla got lost so, in Eric somewhere. They don't know what's going on. <laughs> who knows? So uh, she sends Mike in to meet with uh, President Palmer and Lynn, and we cut to David looking on as Lynn uh, is talking on the phone, telling someone. You shouldn't speculate on anything. We just don't know where he is. That's our position. And she hangs up and informs Palmer that Ron Wheeland, the uh, reporter that he has previously had some sort of goon named Armis kidnap and hold hostage in an interrogation room somewhere, that his production crew is asking about him since they haven't seen him in four hours. Weird. And pretty soon they're going to figure out the last person they did see him with is you, Mr. Palmer, which they're all journalists. If it's taken them four hours to start, like, sniffing around that particular, like, treat, yeah, I don't think they really deserve their jobs anymore. Yeah, if, if CNN sends Anderson Cooper out and Coop Diddy disappears for four hours, they're, they're going to start fucking asking questions almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, where's Where that silver-haired, he? silver-haired guy we sent out here? Where, where's he at? Need him back immediately. Where the fuck oh, did he, he go? gone. Uh, so before we get into the, the meat of that, um, so Mike Novick apparently opens the door and hears, uh, Lynn say, they're going to ask him about you. And with absolutely no context to this conversation, he tells them to, well, just leak a story. And David is excited to see him. And... God, Mike just sits down and says, that, well, I spoke with Armis and I did some research that shows that there is precedent for the executive branch to act against the press in times of national crisis. And everyone in the, the room just accepts that at face value. <laughs> and Mike advises Palmer to leak a story that Wyland went to Portland for the rest of the day on a personal matter. And you can't leak a story that's just like unnewsworthy shit. <laughs> no, like, you can't work. leak a story that like... I he went to the store, so <laughs> report on that. It's just like why would why would Ron Wheeland, a like celebrated reporter, just be like only tell the president of the United <laughs> States like, oh yeah, my dog died, so I'm gonna drive to Portland, and I'm not gonna tell also, any I, of my I, production crew or yep, anyone yeah. I work for. I love donuts. I, I I need some voodoo donuts. I'm gonna go to Portland. Oh. Bye. Uh, so. Mike just says that's a band-aid that'll get us through the rest of the day. So he's clearly on some so this is 2001, 2002. Mike is clearly on some Carl Rove shit. And uh Palmer just tells Lynn to look put, like Carl Rove. A little bit a little They actually they 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 shaved his head a little closer. I think they really made him and like I think they changed his glasses to make him look like Carl Rove. A little Rove, less doughy. But you know, yeah. Rove-ish. He's definitely Rove. He's like a he's a weird mix of Rove and uh, Donald Rumsfeld for sure. I'll give yeah, um, I, I see that. Yeah. So Palmer tells Lynn to put that horrible plan into motion, <laughs> and as she gets up to leave, uh, Mike leans into David and says, "Well, I saw Sherry," and uh, David just says, "Don't worry, Mike. It was her idea to come here. Like, yeah, no shit, yeah, it was why her I'm idea. Worried. Yeah, it's not a good <laughs> thing, man. What is she doing here?" <laughs> yeah. And Mike just says, well, I'm surprised you let her stay. And uh, David just says, well, we'll just let it be for the time being. And uh, let's let's go out to the OC where I can get you up to speed. And uh, they leave. And we cut to uh, 
George Mason at CTU, and he's telling the tech to send over some data to Division. And as he walks toward the steps to his office, Michelle Dessler says that she just got off the phone with Ed Miller, and we get a tiny clock at 2.09. Please take a drink. And uh, George Mason asks her, oh, how's it going with uh, Jack and Nina? And she just says, uh, he doesn't know. Jack drugged him and got on the plane with him, without him. And the sigh that George <laughs> delivers in this scene, like, contains the exasperation of just, like, a million fathers. Just like, please tell me you're kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's more disappointed than he is angry, mm-hmm. to be honest here. Well, so he's this- disappointed, but he's also, like, not surprised at all. No. Right. Yeah, I mean, he can't be at this point. He, he even, like, says almost word for word a line from season one because um, Georgia says, well, there's nothing we can do except hope that his impulse for revenge doesn't cloud his judgment. And Michelle's like, cloud his judgment, like, drugging one of our own agents? <laughs> and Georgia says, hey, what can I say? The guy's a little crazy. That's why I didn't want him here in the first place. But he gets results, and result- results are what we need. So, no, here yeah. we go. Mm. I mean, they've already gone too far down the path at this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you just have to take, you have to take the good, take the bad, take it all. There you have the Jackson life. The Jackson life. life. Yeah. <laughs> you got life. it. There it is. Um, so he kind of just throws his hands up and walks away. Michelle, Michelle leaves him as he walks into his office. And uh, we see George kind of very uncomfortable. What does he do? Lifts up the old shirt game there. Or actually, opens it up to re- yeah. To, re- what do we to reveal lesions are popping nipples. Um, yeah, yeah, it's getting worse. The radiation is, is is killing the G-mates. He is progressing very quickly towards towards Dead Town, real fast, mm-hmm. real yeah. real fast towards Shambles, Shambleville over oh there. God. Um, Speaking of the walking, gonna be dead. good. No, yeah. So we cut back to the Enrock where uh, Mike Novick warns David that just because Sherry claims that there's a conspiracy doesn't make it true. And Palmer says that might be true, but uh, if it is, it will affect every aspect of our response to this bomb. And uh, we need to find her source. And Mike says, well, David, Sherry might have her own agenda, but he promises to investigate the quote, so-called cabal against you. And advises Palmer to focus on the situation in, in L.A. And as he says that, David, like, looks across the O.C. and, like, sees Roger Stanton and instructs Mike to start the investigation with Roger. And Mike seems shocked and says, Roger Stanton, the head of the NSA conspiring against the president of the United States. Aside from the enormous implications of that were true, hasn't he been an ally to you? She's like... Yeah, but like two hours ago, the acting head of the NSA also conspired against me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wait, so I'm confused. So is right. So is was Eric Rayburn not the head think, of the NSA? I think Rayburn was a deputy. Okay, and he just happened to be present. like deputy director. If you're a deputy, they call yeah. you. Still, they still call you director. Oh yeah, deputy yeah. head of NSA. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. because they were so talking they- about Rogers, Roger being his boss later and i was like okay but i thought he just took over yeah it was very unclear when stanton arrived it almost seemed like they just had like a second nsa director like (laughs) hanging out um but yeah so david says that stanton and rayburn had always been on the same page and he assumes that rayburn was acting on orders from stanton and he says i hope you can prove me wrong but i think i'm right and so mike says he'll get to it and david walks away um which 
David gets like almost direct proof later in the episode that like this isn't the case and just like completely glosses over it. Like it just seems like, oh yeah, Stanton's the bad guy. We have to, obviously have to <laughs> like blame it on him. Um so we see that uh we cut back to the plane with Jack and Nina and we hear that they are ten minutes from landing, and uh he asks Nina how far Mahmoud Fahin is from the airport. And Nina tries to stall, so Jack grabs her shackles and pulls her pulls her towards him and demands an answer. And Agent Rick Phillips warns him that threat Nina won't help you get answers. And I was like, oh, that worked pretty good yeah, an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's worked so far. I'm going to keep going on Don't talk trip. to me there, Rick. Let me handle my business. Yeah, I've gotten results pretty specifically. I uh, feel pretty good about it. Um, so Jack says, okay, that's fine. Get her changed into civilian clothing so she blends in. And uh, Rick goes to lead her back towards the bathroom for privacy. Uh, <laughs> what does Jack say? Nah. He says, no, do it here. She doesn't leave my sight. Yeah. So he seems very uninterested, just kind of like shuffling papers around. And Nina glares at him and then begins to undress. And she takes off her shirt and we see her back and pretty nasty scar like possibly like Curtis you might know like look like a kidney removal it's yeah man I don't know like I mean that's that's mm-hmm. yeah something bad happened mm-hmm. something bad happened to you Lena. she ended up you know she ended up in a bathtub full of ice kidney yeah. missing who, who hurt you Nina uh, so we cut to commercial it's uh 1213 we come back it's 1217 and we open at CTU where Mason is uh, asking someone to come down to CTU and help out. And then Michelle Dessler informs him that Jack and Nina are about to land, but they don't yet have a location for Fahin. Uh, and she hangs up and we see George take a slip of paper and slowly dial the number uh, that is written on it. And we cut to a juice and coffee food truck Man. where Eric Christian Olsen picks up the phone. Dude, G- George, George kills it in this episode. Yeah. He's so good so far in this Xander season. Berkeley, like, man. It's top of top kills of the game. Kills you know? Yeah. Murdering it this yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so it's Mason's son, John, who is uh not too happy to hear him. And we learn that it's been two si- two years since they've talked. And Mason two seasons, says, you were gonna say it. I almost <laughs> yeah, it's been two seasons. Man. Uh and Mason says, Well, that's my fault, but I'd really like to see you today. And uh, John says, well, I don't have the time or really the desire to come see you. And um, Mason just says, well, it's important. I want you to come to see to you. But John just hangs up and George puts his head in his hands and we get a tiny clock. It is 221. Please take a drink. And we cut to the Davenport Airfield in Visalia, California. And the plane touches down and uh, Jack tells Nina to get up and he recuffs her arms behind her back. And uh, the plane kind of lands and it's flanked by two cop cars as it taxis toward a crowd of FBI agents. And uh, they all exit the plane and we meet FBI agent Doherty, uh, who asks where they're meeting uh, Fahin. And Nina says, we're meeting in an antique store called Crescent Collectibles. And Doherty just says, oh, yes, that's in the De Anza district. (laughs) (laughs) Which, again, this town is so fucking small. No. Yeah, there is a, a Visalia Municipal Airport. Uh, it's right, okay. right next to the uh, the La Quinta Inn. In case you're trying mm. to plan a plan a nice trip okay. out there. Well, to be fair, Doherty says 
it's very close to the airport, yeah. so we could use this as a home base. There's which, literally nothing that's not close to the airport there. I'm looking at the map right now. There are barely even roads. It feels like home base is not a tactical term that the FBI uses. <laughs> We're safe. We're safe here. We're all home good, base. guys. It's okay. But it's also just like, so again, small town apparently does not even, barely has roads. There are about 45 agents waiting in Visalia. Mm. Like, this very small town. And it's it's very much assumed that, like, this is the Visalia field office. You're a small town, Kush. Okay? Fair. Don't you make fun Fair. of our town? I mean, I, I lived in a small town for a very long time. Um, so It's right next to a place agent- called Farmersville. And Mid Valley. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, you know it's it's in a good spot. Town of industry. (laughs) Um, So, Jack uncuffs Nina and starts to escort her towards an SUV. And uh, Rick says, hey, why don't we leave Nina here with me to keep her safe? And Jack just says, we're going to use her. You'll see how. And, guys, I really don't think Jack is respecting this presidential pardon at all. No. Well, look, I mean, she has to get results to get the pardon. She said that before. And how they get results, well, that's Jack's purview now. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, like, Nina. And, like, can a corpse get results? I think it probably can when applied correctly. When need, exactly. Yeah, when need be, you can, yeah. You can get I mean, a head got results for Jack, so. Very good ones. Mm-hmm. If... if if one head can do what Jack has done with it, imagine what two heads can do. Exactly. It's always better than one. It, they, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we cut back to the NROC and we get a tiny clock. It is 222. And uh, Mike approaches Roger in like the most shit. Like he's just the least like opaque about his like motivations ever. Like he's just like, hey, man, I want to work with you and find out what you're doing. Yeah, I, <laughs> I've been told to. I've been told to. uh he actually says, like, Palmer wants me to insert, insert myself, myself into <laughs> <Which> your day. <laughs> Always a good phrase. Right. So he basically told me, yeah, Palmer doesn't trust you and he wants me to keep an eye on you. Let me get all yeah. up in there. Yeah. So Roger's like, I don't know. I got a pretty nasty workload today. Uh, <laughs> but I guess you can help me with the civil response, which, again, like, I think they're all just assuming that this bomb is 100% going off. And, like, I guess you can help with, like, the dead people? <laughs> <laughs> it's how you respond to the amount of dead people, Kush. Not just... <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> hey, hey y'all. cones around them, corpses. Yeah, it's gotta... how you tell the people who aren't dead how to deal with all of the dead people. Yeah. Don't eat them. God, please don't. <laughs> Guys, a nuke went off in LA. Does this mean the Lakers game is canceled? Yes. <laughs> They're out of the playoffs. Okay. I think we're good. <laughs> Did New York get nuked? <laughs> ah, we won. Fuck you. Wait, is Vesalia uh, safe? <laughs> <laughs> so we cut into Palmer's office where he's asking Lynn Kresge for an update. And she tells him somehow he doesn't know about CTU raiding the warehouse uh, where Mason was irradiated by weapons-grade plutonium three hours ago. Seems like and, an important uh, piece of information. For just touch. Yeah. yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so and she says that the CIA is working backwards through satellite footage to find out who is there. And then she also tells them that Jack Bauer is still involved in the investigation to find the bomb, which surprises Palmer. <laughs> and then she tells him that Jack is ha- heading the search for M- Mahmoud Fahin and working with Nina, which also surprises him. Yeah. And uh, she's, he's like, 
Jack Bauer and Nina Myers are working together. And she says, yes, sir. I believe he volunteered. Like, somehow she has no idea why that's a bad idea. You could see and it on David's, his face. Yeah. Like, he's like, yeah, this this pardon's not going anywhere. Yeah, I love David is the only one that has the proper response to this whole thing. The fuck? What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, I shouldn't have left it in anybody's hand but mine. God damn it. That's all David's saying to himself. This is all fucked. Can I retract a fax? How does that work? God, man. Um, so at the Nair, at the, at the Nair field, at the airfield, uh, Jack and his crew are saddling up and drawing up a plan to infiltrate the antique store. And Nina is continually shooting down their ideas, saying that Fahin will have motion sensors on the walls and in the foundation. So, uh, of the, the antique hills, store, of the antique <laughs> store in again, this, very small town <laughs> and she says if they go in through the front door he'll have enough time to commit suicide and she's like none of this is none of this is right um which by the way w- when this eventual raid goes down they both come through the ceiling and through the front door yeah, yeah they were like fuck you nina we got yeah, this yeah trust you uh, they do go through the front door in possibly the most buck wild <laughs> possible way but we'll get to that um so Jack says, well, if he's so willing to die, uh, why did he leave L.A.? And she says, just because he's willing to die doesn't mean he wants to, which is fair. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jack says, they keep talking. And Jack says, hey, listen, we can't afford to take a chance on any of your stupid plans. So I'm going to send Nina inside to meet with Fahin, uh, which Nina's not super happy about since she's supposed to be in jail. And her getting out and arriving at the terrorist front door on the day of the nuclear bomb going off it worked for jack it did work very well for jack and yeah, so different level of terrorists we're dealing with here <laughs> yeah, than, uh, yeah. <laughs> so jack just puts her in a car and says well you need to make him believe that you got out and all we need is 30 seconds of of disbelief and she says he's gonna put a bullet in my head before i can say hello and then he's gonna turn the gun on himself oh. and then what does jack's line of the year he says we'll make sure he doesn't turn the gun on himself yeah, he looks. He looks in the back seat <laughs> to the other agents. <laughs> we'll we'll make sure he doesn't turn the gun on himself. I kind of view this line as a sequel to the smile that he delivered at the end of last mm-hmm. episode. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I mean, he, like Jack is so clearly enjoying himself. Yeah, I mean, here. you just tell Nina, I'm I'm going to masturbate to the thought of killing you. You know that, right? Like, don't don't think that threatening your death is going to stop anything for me. Well, it's he the also point said of this whole other thing. thing. As he was putting her in the car, because she was like, they'll know that I'm lying. And he says, the only way they'll know that you're lying is if, if you want is if you to. want them to, because you're a good liar. It's like, damn. Like, again, Nina apparently has lost sight of who Jack mm-hmm. is. Jack knows exactly who Nina is. Yeah. yeah. Like, he knows what she's like, what she's capable of. He's been he's been planning this in some form. For the past year. Yeah. If I ever like, see her again, I this is what I'm going to do. And that's almost the thing. Is like, I almost thought he was going to be like, don't worry. I'm not going to let anyone else kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been a pretty sweet like, line. <laughs> like, you're mine. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he slams the door and we uh, cut to commercial at 223. We come back at 228. We once again open at CTU where George is asking Michelle about translation from Fahin uh, once they uh, send Nina into the room. And he gets interrupted by a call from uh, Tony Almeida. And he picks up and 
Tony tells him that Reza has pointed the finger at Bob Warner. And Georgia says, bring them both into CTU and turn the heat up on, on them. And Tony says, well, what charge should I arrest them on? And Georgia says, I don't care. Make it jaywalking. Just bring them in. <laughs> and Tony's on the phone. And for some reason, he's no longer in the dining room. And he looks around and sees both uh, Kate, Marie, and Reza, who have all clearly heard this conversation. <laughs> and Tony tells Richards to grab Barb Warner from the dining room. Well, and then also, sorry, go on. Like, Tony already told him no when he asked for a lawyer. So clearly, we're not following the police protocols here of like reading right. Miranda rights and arresting people for actual crimes. Uh, like, yeah, Tony's. Go ahead. No, Michael, you do you not get these people have money? I mean, there's a reaction later in this little segment here that lets you know these people don't understand how things work um, when they're not to their favor. They just mm-hmm. don't get it. So Tony's going to let them know. You can go fuck yourself. Yeah. Not as far as he should let them know, but he does yeah. it, He does it enough. Well, so we're going to get to something at the end of this scene. Yeah. Which. <laughs> yeah, we are. Okay. <laughs> so Tony just tells Richards to bo- to grab Bob Warner. And then he tells Risa that you need to come to CTU for questioning. And Risa says, I'm not going anywhere. And Tony says, hey, I'll arrest everyone here if you force me to. But I don't want to. You can just come in for questioning. And Bob walks out and tells Risa just do what they say and just like smiles very reassuringly Mm -hmm. at Risa. At which point I just wrote, does Bob know some shit? He knows. And then Marie says, I'm coming with you since you already ruined my wedding day, which Richards ain't having. But Tony just agrees to, and they all start to leave. And then Bob walks over to Kate and says, call everyone, inform them of the situation, let them know the wedding's off, and then call Larry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He'll know what to do. And Kate says, but Larry's a tax attorney. Mm. And Bob just says, call Larry. (laughs) Yeah. Shut your your fucking mouth and call Larry. Yeah, sure. Larry's Larry's a tax attorney. Yeah, I was going to say, quote, quote, unquote, tax attorney. Mm-hmm. So Bob and Larry also on some shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very curious. Uh, we'll get. I think we'll get to that in a second. Um, I am curious what you guys think about. It. So we get another tiny clock. It is two uh, thirty-one. Please take a drink. And uh, we cut to the Anorak where Lynn and David walk into a conference room where Mike and Sherry are waiting. And uh, Lynn is a little taken aback seeing Sherry there. And Palmer formally introduces Lynn to Sherry. And we get the first of a uh, Sherry Palmer, like, weird cat fight, um, uh, like, trying to, like, very quickly show her dominance over Lynn. And yeah, I was going to say, what so, is the, I mean, I would call it a dick measuring contest, but but that's clearly not what it is. I guess it's just an old fashioned pissing contest between the two of them. Yeah. Maybe I, I I don't know what the the lady equivalent of a uh, a pissing contest is, but like they're both their claws are both out yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to say the the the, 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 the c word, um, but yeah, it's still what it is. I, don't I also mean, don't know why you would want to measure a c word. No, I don't mean the c particularly. I meant, I meant cat fight, you asshole. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, got it. <laughs> And that's the thing, though, is, like, it's definitely much, like, like, Lynn is very much, like, she doesn't trust Sherry. She's clearly a professional, like, is defensive of her turf and, I think, very confident in her abilities. Right. And, like, we've seen no reason to, like, see, like doubt her abilities. And she just, like, clearly, like, 
does not know why Sherry's there, believes she shouldn't be. And David tells her that Sherry has been granted provisional security clearance as well. Uh, sorry. Um, and informs Lynn that there's a possibility of a dissenting faction within his administration based on the events of the day. And Lynn seems very surprised and like Sherry, like, leans over very intimately and touches David on the arm. And like, this is the first of her like super passive aggressive shit. And just is like, maybe you should bring Lynn up to speed on where we are with Roger Stanton. So Sherry also on some shit. Mm-hmm. Does Lynn um, or does Sherry think that Lynn and Palmer been fucking? I thought they got a little bit at first, but I think it's more like she's, cause I think it's worse. I, she thinks that Lynn is now taking the place that she once had of the chief advisor. Right, uh, I think it's worse. I think more. it's, I think it's that David trusts Lynn because, yep. mm. as we learned in season one, clearly she has no qualms about David fucking people. Sure. So they've been, but it's they've been politically fucking. Yeah, right. I think it. She clearly sees that Lynn has David's ear and trust, and Lynn is a competent woman, and Sherry is not happy about that. Yep. Um, so Lynn sits down and is just not having any of this conspiracy shit. Um, and David, David delivers one of the weirdest sentences I've ever heard on TV. He says, it troubles me to articulate this, Lynn, but the helicopter crash solved a lot of Stanton's problems, which I don't really know what Stanton's problems were since he wasn't really involved in any of this, really. Um, and Sherry just interjects and says, there's something you probably don't know, Lynn. Roger Stanton has been having secret meetings with the minority leader in the Senate, and Eric Rayburn was in attendance. And what does Lynn respond with? Well, Lynn just, uh, she's basically like, yeah, I know. Uh, And she shits on it and says that the uh, the purpose of the meetings was something about the Armed Services Committee to form a bipartisan base to quell questionable allocations made by the Armed Services Committee. I see you've also read the 24 read, wiki i know <laughs> read the wiki lynn um, whipped her dick out on this one because yeah. lynn said not only do i do i know about the meetings i've ha- i've got minutes yeah okay i know yeah. everything that's going on and the only reason i didn't tell you david mr president was because the vote's not for another two months and you have other things to worry about yeah and like somehow david just lets that all slide yeah. and it was like well i need to know if if stanton is loyal to the administration it's like I don't know, bro. Sounds like he fucking is. Yeah. Like, real, real yeah. well. <laughs> so, Lynn, like, shuts Sherry down immediately. And, uh, again, David just ignores it. And, uh, Mike says, well, I'm already working alongside Stanton. And I have a list of people on the hill who might be able to help. And Lynn is just staring dead at Sherry, who gives some, like, weird side eyes to her as they cut to commercial at, uh, 2.34. Curtis, what are you thinking here? I, they want me to like believe that either Lynn or Sherry are the leaders of this uh, this this crew. Um, now, it doesn't make sense to me that Sherry would do it because she would be shut out of the White House and all of Washington if she was to get rid of her ex-husband. But Lynn, um, they also want me to believe that, you know, there's this evil white woman again this season. Um, and I don't I don't know. I, I don't. I don't like that they're trying to trick me. <laughs> um, Where do you, uh, don't appreciate it at all. Nope. You know who I know is not. You know who I know is not part of this. Fucking Mike. Yeah, I like fucking Mike. 
He's well, I do like that guy, solid, even though they dude. they they are creating a, a his Carl Rove like doppelganger. <laughs> How do you feel about Roger Stanton right now? He that that wannabe ripped torn motherfucker you're talking about? He yeah, looks, uh, he just oh. looks like he's supposed to be evil. Yeah, like as a, as a black dude, I have like a visceral response to him. Like if that dude walks in the room, my butthole tightens up, and I'm like, oh, I'm about to, I'm about to get, because he's like, he's like either like an evil judge or a bad prison warden. Like something's about to happen to me if he walks in the room. So I don't like him. I don't like his face. I don't like his yeah. demeanor. Um, but I think that he's probably just a red herring. So, um, do you think so? Rayburn got fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious, like. As we, I mean, we're only hour seven, so obviously Palmer. The only tension in the Palmer camp right now is between Sherry and Lynn and Stanton possibly being a traitor, um, and I guess actually the Ron Wheeland <laughs> sort of situation. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if Wheeland, I wonder if Stanton and Wheeland are going to cross paths. Like, I feel like eventually Ron Wheeland's plight is going to come to light, not just with the press, but also in the in the office around the the water cooler. Yeah. Um. I had something. And then it was okay. gone. Nope, it's gone. Like that. Like that. Gone. Oh wait, I know. I remember what it was. Can the president fire the deputy director of the NSA? I don't know. Probably I don't think it's a congressional. Not. Is that a is that a Senate voted actual position? Is that? I don't know. It just seemed it's like when he was the director of the NSA. It was like okay, maybe, but like the deputy director. So like. What, yeah, is, uh, like can he like, just walk in and be like, fire the? the well, I know you can. So, so you know, I know Ash Carter. Uh, so I just googled. I know they they can definitely fire the head of the NSA. I don't know what the like chain of command down the line is. I would assume anyone in the executive branch could just be fired by the president. Mm. All right, but that, that that makes me sad. I think that the NSA should be one of those positions where you, you probably shouldn't be able to just get fired. Uh, by the it does seem the like FBI, the sort of thing so, that should like, like I'm gonna work for like ten years so no one president can can fire me. That's how the FBI yeah. directorship actually works. That's why they made it the term it yeah. is. But um, nope. Whoopsie doodles. <laughs> Shit on that one. Um, so we come back from commercial uh, at two thirty eight at our favorite place, the Warner God household. Damn it. Where uh, Kate is now alone. To do whatever the fuck she wants, She's and uh, she getting, boots up. Get ready, y'all. Here it comes. She boots up Bob's <laughs> computer, running uh, Windows ME, to look for some information, and uh, she receives a password prompt. And seems surprised by the password prompt too. Like what? My dad's computer is secure. The executive of an international business. Weird. So her rather than like rather than even trying a password. She calls Ralph Burton, her PI, but she can't reach him. So who picks up? It's one of his coworkers, mm-hmm. someone named Paul Co- Copland. And Ralph says that, or sorry, Paul says Ralph has left for the day at 2 p.m. <laughs> on a day that he discovered a terrorist plot. Yeah. And Paul says, well, I'm familiar with all of Ralph's cases and maybe I can help. And Kate hesitates and then tells him, well, I need help getting into my father's private records, which Paul presumably dives right into. And that's not guys, how private eyes work. I have a very important question for you mm, right now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Bring it. 
is Ralph alive? <laughs> a what? No, Ralph been dead for like an hour and a half. Yeah. Ralph, Ralph's <laughs> yeah. real I mean, dead. He went to Portland to visit his family. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, clearly whatever he found has reached whoever he found it about. And, oh, he real dead. Okay. So, Paul comes out of the blue and suddenly has control over, over Ralph's cases and is familiar with all of them. Mm-hmm. I, and again, like, to, do, do you guys see any, like, sorry, let me, Curtis, <laughs> do you see any link to Bob Warner's, like, confidence in what's going on with his situation and Ralph suddenly disappearing? Because <laughs> Bob, Bob was not a, not too keen on Ralph being involved in the situation. <laughs> <coughs> yes. Did, yeah, no. I was saying, did Kate ever say who the PI was? Or she definitely named Ralph. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, he's definitely to her father. Dead. Yeah, he's defo, that's defo what kind of wrote down is that is that Papa knew who Ralph was. Mm-hmm. Ralph didn't last long. Yeah. Um, and normally, um, so, so nor- it's I- also the worst day of Ralph Burton's life. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> The shortest day of Ralph Burton's life. <laughs> there it is, officially. I'd like to think that most private detectives don't have, like, bosses, because then they wouldn't be private detect. I just don't want you to have, like, a whole company. Like, it just be you going to take pictures of my ex-wife, make sure she's, you know. Yeah, you definitely never heard of Pinkertons? in a tiny office with those really shitty metal blinds. Yeah, um, come in. Yeah. Like a private a private eye, a real one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to live in Chicago, too. Yes, and wear yeah. a hat. Devo, do it. That's how you'd say blend in. You wear a fedora. Nobody knows. Uh, Milady, here to solve your crime, <laughs> ma'am. But yeah, uh, yeah. Papa Warner had had Ralph killed, probably by his fixer, aka quote unquote Larry, the quote unquote tax attorney, mm. <laughs> who can who can take care of everything. Um, he's, he's like the just wolf. call Larry. What I don't get is so. I, God damn it, Kate Kate Warner. Um, all your father asked you to do. Would call, call Larry. Larry. Like, did you have to kim it up? Like, you couldn't just call Larry. I get. To be fair, we don't know that she didn't call Larry. Fucking bullshit. You know she didn't <laughs> she call. Definitely Larry. didn't call Larry. <laughs> she one hundred percent did not call Larry. I mean, to be fair, like, so it's been it's been eight minutes since Bob <laughs> told Kate to call Larry. That phone call takes at least eight minutes to so just be like. Yeah. Explain the situation of what Kate has done. Correct the chain of chain of events that she has set in motion. Like this day, like she hasn't even called all the people. Like she's supposed to call everyone, and let them know the wedding's postponed. Mm-hmm. She hasn't done that yet. She's done nothing. Her father asked her to do. For a woman who seems to worship her father, she immediately goes to. Mm. That guy's a criminal. I gotta go check that <laughs> I out. I need to get these private records. Let's get these records real quick. See what's going on. Yeah, I mean, in her stupid. Kim like mine, she may be thinking, I'm going to exonerate daddy by going to the personal records that are like behind his firewall. Um, that's not how life works though. I'm gonna so. find all these records and I'm gonna send them over. Yep. Just gotta be completely transparent on this. Well, one, meanwhile, her fucking dipshit sister informs the federal agents, I'm going to follow you and you can't stop me. Yes, the fuck I can stop yeah, you from, like- from following me to a secure facility, you stupid bitch. You can't just cut what, what who the hell? Yeah, follow me. There's a <laughs> gate. You're not yeah. going to get in. I'm going to follow you into Langley. Good luck. Uh, 
the shit. Yeah, have fun. Also, I have like so many guns. I have all the guns you can. Oh god, the guns you guns you haven't even heard yeah. of. Try stroll that midriff into my office and see what happens to your face. <laughs> Predator drone. <laughs> Boom. Anyway, that's but that's a Warner sister. That's who you are. Uh, you just just. At this point in the episode, I actually wrote down, is Kate worse than Kim? And I know I only had that thought because I haven't seen Kim yet in this episode, but the thought stands. I prefer Kim to both Warners. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. <laughs> Kate Kate her facial expressions are painfully well, annoying. Guys, their faces the way their voices I, I really want you to search your emotions and just really no. Really no, my- ask yourselves if it's because Alicia Cuthbert is Alicia Cuthbert. Nope, it's not. It's because the way that they've made, I don't know what they did with the sound in this season, but their voices are always played in this fucking whimsical fairy way that makes me just hate them more. Mm-hmm. I, I guess maybe they, came, they, maybe they came in and redubbed their voices after they were done with the season, but it just sounds so fake and annoying. And I, I realize that the actress that plays Marie Warner has been in other things that I enjoyed her in, and she has that kind of angelic voice. But in this character, I want her to die. All the time, there is some sort of like up tilt on their yeah. like their voice at all yeah. times, uh, and and yeah, I don't see Alicia Cuthbert when I see Kim. I can't. It's not the same person. She's very much. Yeah, I've yeah. watched Happy Ending since watching the show, and it's not the same person to me. There's no, there's, I there's, there's, there's Alicia Cuthbert, there's rooms. Alex, and then there's fucking Kim. I nope, not even close. I'm fine with that, but mm. I'll take Kim all day. Yeah, yeah. Because um, okay. Kim's at least yep. a teenager. Honestly, Kim's a teenager. That. These are grown women. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to leave that where it lies for now. Um, but we cut back to the Enrock and uh, Sherry stops Lynn as she is leaving uh, a uh, office room. And she says, I just want you to know, I'm aware you're uncomfortable since I'm not officially on David's staff. Hey, oh, uh, and Lynn says, Mrs. Palmer, my discomfort has nothing to do with you being on his staff. Hey, oh, my only concern is to protect and serve the president. I simply don't know you. And Sherry delivers. Yet another Paso Aggresso line says, you seem like a pretty smart woman, Lynn. To which Lynn says, mm-hmm. <laughs> so let me explain something to you. David did not get here by himself. He's had competent people around him his entire life. Much like the DePaul team who let him shoot a three-pointer to win the game. <laughs> um, obviously, you're one of them. Not necessarily the best, just the most recent. So have some respect for those of us who put him into office. We might just be able to help you. <laughs> and then we like cut to like we focus in on David in the background, standing in a hallway like one of the little girls from the fucking shining. <laughs> he just like shoulders up, just staring. Just at watching them. just watching these he's two so, women go at each so, other's throats. He's so creepy. Yeah. It, yeah. It's also funny to me. So like it, it, for the, for our for our female listener, um <laughs> the the size disparity betwixt Lynn and Sherry. Um, Lynn has a solid eighteen. Oh, yeah, she could. She could if this, destroy if, if, Sherry. If this was two guys, and I've had this happen to me before, I'm looking at a guy who's talking to me, and he's maybe a foot shorter than me. I'm like, oh, little dude, you're adorable. <laughs> you're trying to scare me. That's using oh, using your words. That's pretty. You got scary words. I will knock the fuck out of you if you speak to me again. Unless he knows Taekwondo and he fucking kicks you right in the face. You trying to say he's going to Miguel me? Mm-hmm. Nope. No chance. Get Miguel. Have I ever told you about the time when our me and our friend Oded, who has been on this show, it was during November and we were at a football game. And 
some guy behind us was making dumb comments about our our punter and Tim Tebow, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we heard, overheard him talking to his friend, being like, "We both had mustaches at the time because it was November." He's like, "Man, Mario and Luigi down there are talking shit. You got my back, right? If we go down there." And the guy's just like, "No, <laughs> no, nah." So they're both about five foot four. She's like. No, nah. it's not happening. Yeah, I cursed out a freshman uh, the year when we had Chris Leak, who was the top passer in the SEC, and they they kept yelling for Tim Tebow as Chris Leak was throwing three touchdowns in the game. And I was like, hey, yo, shut the fuck up. And he decided to be like, oh, you, what the fuck are you going to do? And I turned around and said, I'm going to embarrass you in front of your girlfriend, you little piss ant. And <laughs> our same friend O'Dead turned around and was like, yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> and, and his girlfriend looked at the guy and just nodded, his, nodded her head at him, and he shut the fuck up for the rest of the game. It's it actually already happened. <laughs> I've already you've I've already been embarrassed by you. Whoopsie doodles. It's always great when you guys have a Napoleon complex. Um it's yeah. it's good times. So yeah, that's what Sherry kinda has. She's just looking up at Lynn like you can listen to me and weather the storm, but I will punch you in the face. And Lynn's just like, You're adorable and walks away. So Yeah, okay. Bye bye. You're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> See ya. I'm sure you did so, so much in the campaign. You're cute. Bye. You're doing you're doing great. Uh, did you also like offer to let a teenager get exploded? Yeah, pretty sure you did. <laughs> pretty sure you did. Um, so she walks away, and David walks over and says, "Sherry, you don't have many friends here today, and everyone here is telling me to make you leave. And I'm only keeping you here because you can obtain information that no one else can." And he walks away, and she stares him down, and then gives a little smile to herself. Yeah, and uh, we cut to a golden-colored SUV cruising through Vesalia's thriving downtown. There's so many people out walking around and doing things at two o'clock. Just a bustling metropolis, y'all. <laughs> yes, the hustle and the bustle. And uh, Jack tells the driver to slow down, and it says, "Nina, we'll be we'll be inside within thirty seconds of receiving a positive ID through your camera." And then he tells her to get the fuck out of the car, and we get a tiny clock at uh, two fifty. So, sorry, 2.42, please take a drink. And uh, Nina gets out and walks up to the store. And the car rolls past a little bit, and then Jack gets out uh, so he can watch from a slight distance. And then he radios Michelle that they are in position, and Nina has walked inside. And we see SWAT teams, uh, probably about 20 of them, slipping past cars to advance towards the building. Which no one notices, because that just always happens in Visalia. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just a common day occurrence that 40 FBI agents just raid an antique store. So many goings. Um, it might be a movie set. You guys don't know. Vesalia is just the capital of everything. It's just hopping. So Nina enters the shop and she asks the nice uh, lady clerk to show her to Mahmood. And the clerk says, I don't know anyone <laughs> like that. And uh, Nina says, tell him it's Nina, which... I have to, like, really question the covert agent. I mean, sure, James Bond gets away with it. But I feel like the fact that Nina, the woman who, like, sold out her whole agency and, like, everything about it and got an agent killed. I don't think she would use her own name. Well, that's her code yeah. name, to though. Talk to that's not team. her real name. Her name's Yelena. Maybe. We don't know. That's her cover name. But I wouldn't use, I wouldn't use my cover name. To talk to the terrorists. I mean, to be fair, we all we know so far about Jack's cover is that he likes to be called Jack, no matter what. So how, how, how good is your boy Bauer? Okay. 
That's true. I'm Nina Roush. Tell him Nina Roush is here. <laughs> speaking of Damn which, oh. speaking of which, I don't know why it took me this long to realize this, but my grandfather's name um, is Jack Roush. Is Jack Rothbauer? What? <laughs> Your grandfather's Jack Bauer? Yeah, apparently. Michael, what the fuck, man? Yeah, sorry, guys, I forgot to tell you. Or how many people has he killed? Probably at least a dozen. That I know. How many of. seasons? How many seasons was he on TV? <laughs> <laughs> None. He doesn't. He doesn't like to. Uh, you know, he doesn't like the fame and, and fortune that comes from TV. That's fair. Yeah. More of a movie guy. I get it. Um. So, the store clerk hears that Nina has arrived and just takes that very seriously and walks to intercom to tell uh, someone uh, in Arabic that Nina has arrived. And Nina walks to the counter and. We see her grab a gift card off of the table and slip it into her sleeve. Thief. And I, mm-hmm. I, really, really, just a dirty, nasty thief. Why does wait? Why and, is a what is this like a consignment store? It's a thrift, it's a thrift shop thrift that was that selling fifty dollar fifty dollar custom gift cards. Like, does Goodwill have gift cards? The actually antique thrift store. Okay, it's, okay. Yes. Yeah. Is that sure? Uh, is that Road to Perdition back there? What are you Chris, about? are you watching Prohibition John Wick? <laughs> it's possible. Uh, it's possible because I think that we may be on pretty soon, folks, here. A road to perdition. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Okay. I like that you've given it a theme this time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got after it this time. Thought about it deeply. I actually haven't. I haven't seen this one, but this one does seem, again, this one seems like a perfect Tom Hanks role. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Every role is a perfect Tom Hanks role. Tom Hanks can play anything. Every role is a perfect All of Tom them. Hanks Name role. one he can't. Keanu Reeves in Point Break. Can't do it. Oh, are you kidding me? He could. He could play a, a Blue Flame special, Young, Dumb, and Full of Cum. Are you sure about that? I'm positive. Tom Hanks could have played yeah. every role in Forrest Gump. He could have been Mama, Forrest, Jenny, Low Forrest, and Lieutenant Dan. That's actually 100% true. I kind of want to see Point Break with Tom Hanks. As the Keanu Reeves character now, can that please get? But made? like, but like a sixty-year-old Tom. Yeah, Hanks. like right Not now. Like Tom I want Hanks. them to remake yeah. it again, but this time everyone else is the same except for Tom Hanks. Okay, we have a problem, guys. Okay, so as we see, Sarah, <laughs> we have gone Sarah down Gard. the road to perdition, y'all. <laughs> oh, we did it! Damn it! We damn it! We played ourselves. <laughs> Shit. Um, so we see her slide a gift card up into her sleeve, and outside the FBI SWAT team. Uh, we see someone pull out a battering ram. Someone cuts the chain link fence behind the store to position themselves to storm the building. And the clerk tells Nina to follow her back into the uh, recesses of the building. And she's led back there. And clearly this and motherfucker ain't got no sensors nowhere because they are just no all sensors, on his building. No sensors aren't wire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we zoom in on Nina's necklace as she walks into the back. And we learn that it contains a camera. And... Uh, Jack radios Michelle to tell her that uh, his monitor is only showing static. So Michelle has to narrate what Nina's camera is seeing, uh, the pendant as she walks back. Uh, She gets searched for weapons by the shop clerk. And the translator, who is standing next to Michelle, starts narrating what's going on. And Nina gets sent back to meet Mahmoud. So she walks into a room. Mahmoud, and we see a man standing behind a very heavy bead curtain asking her questions. And uh, the translator shares that she's explaining to Mahmoud how, with the help of a man named Wachowski, she was able to 
escape from prison. Um, but the room is too dark for the camera to actually see Mahmoud's face and identify him. So Michelle can't give Jack a positive identification. So Nina is explaining to, to Mahmoud what happened. He She's clearly getting very emotional. He, he seems taken aback and he nods at her and then opens his arms and Nina walks forward and they embrace. And as soon as they do, the audio and video feed both go dead. And Jack gives the order to storm the building. And the opening salvo in their storm operation is an FBI van just drives straight into the front door of the thing and just, like, stops. (laughs) And then commandos drop through the ceiling of the building. And then everyone who works at this place (laughs) is just armed. Strapped up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're clipped up, ready to go. And our man, Jackie B, pops one terrorist on the stairwell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the Boom, the FBI guy with the ram opens the door and immediately gets shot. So Jack spins through the door, puts two in his chesticles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, oh, so please take a drink because Jack made a kill. Mm-hmm. Um, and the agents rush in to just kill everyone in the building, including the uh, the clerk. Lady kill, um, you know? Yeah, lady kill. Rare, but impactful. And so Jack leads them through the building, and they find uh, Fahin unconscious on the ground. And guys, who's missing? Oh, Nina. Nina Meyer. Nina Meyer. So Jack tells them to secure the building and then points his gun down the stairwell towards the basement and runs down it to pursue Nina. We cut to commercial at 247. We come back at 251. And after a split screen, we see Jack just slicing the pie through the basement, checking all of his corners. And we see Nina sprinting through the room and up some stairs towards freedom. But she's blocked by a locked iron gate. And she she rattles the gate and she pulls a gun to shoot the lock. And what does she hear? Drop it. Drop it. Drop it. So she does. She puts her hand up. And Jack steps out of cover around the corner of the, the, the wall. There's a gun pointed right at her. And she walks down the stairs towards him, puts her hands up, and then slowly turns around and gets on her knees with hands on her head. And once again, what does Jack, Jack do? Just pointing the gun at her, at her head. Just, mm. And mm. he talked a big game to George Mason about having no emotion when it comes to Nina. But what is happening with Jack's hand and this gun? There's a lot of emotion. He wants he, it so bad. He's he's struggling. He want God. He wants it so bad. But I just don't imagine. Want it so bad? It's like battery acid in your mouth. I just don't imagine that in his in his mind's eye when he imagined killing Nina that it was with a gun. No, it can't be that quick, man. No. That's fast. You know, this is not how he dispatches Nina into the underworld. No, definitely not. No, he needs to go screaming. So. He holsters his gun, handcuffs her, and Nina is clearly shocked by that particular turn of events. Like, she gasps and just, like, eyes open, just very clearly thought she was <laughs> about like, oh, to die. Sh- oh, oh, shit, I'm alive. And then, guys, oh, I really, mm-mm. really thought And then we the episode ended. It's no, so it. weird. Everything's, everything's the episode just, ended at 250 so yeah, with was, nothing yeah, else oh, happening. It's real. Good job. We get a tiny clock. Please take a drink to brace yourself so it's for what's about to happen. We see Gary Matheson's stolen blue Lexus cruising down the highway. 
And inside that car, we see Kim on the phone with her Aunt Carol, telling her that they're about four to five hours away. And she hangs up just as a police cruiser lights up its siren to pull Miguel over. Mm -hmm. So Miguel, who's driving the stolen vehicle with a kidnapped child in the back seat, he was pulls over. speeding, man. And the officer informs Miguel that he was speeding. Oh, Jesus. So Miguel hands over his license. And then when the officer asks for the registration, Kim says, well, it's my boss's car. The car is his. And I'm, I'm the, the nanny. Yeah, I just let my this other dude drive my boss's car around and be DZ. Yeah, no bigs. Yep. She said she was the au pair. And the cop said, the what? <laughs> yeah. The what now? Miguel says she's the babysitter. And the cop says, did I ask you? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't actually ask you to talk, Miguel. Yeah, um, a little brown. So the cop, a cop walks back to call in that all that good information, and we cut back to CTU where, where we see John Mason arriving in handcuffs, off, uh, escorted by an officer uh, who greets George <laughs> Mason very fondly and says, uh, "You need anything else?" He's like, "No, nah, I'm good." And uh, John does not look very happy with this turn of events, but uh, George uncuffs him and apologizes and says hey this is the only way to get you here in such short notice. But why did the cop have to bring him all the way into CTU in cuffs? That just seems like overkill. Like did they go to his juice stand or whatever the fuck he was working and like arrest him? Well so Michael I'm gonna, I'm gonna say like something. It. So if you don't have if you don't have uh, parents and you who, who, who watch a lot of TV and you haven't uh, stumbled on the their television um, you may not know this gentleman is undercover from NCIS LA so he can't, uh, he's got to keep the cuffs uh, gotta, on. Yeah, cover. you got to keep his, uh, so he gets all the way inside. So, keep his so. cover. In my, in my head canon, um, so earlier in this episode, George told Tony to just arrest Ray Zania for jaywalking mm-hmm. in like his father-in-law's multi-million dollar house. So in my head, Officer Ken, I believe his name is, arrested John Mason for jaywalking <laughs> in his juice stand. You think that's where He's like, son, you gotta you gotta come with me. That's where Mason got the idea. He was like, I don't care if you arrest him for jay Oh, oh shit. I get it. All right. <laughs> so they have a few testy exchanges about how bad of a father George was, and uh George just suddenly cuts in and says, Hey, you know, I have an offshore bank account that no one knows about with a few hundred grand in it, and uh my bookkeeper is gonna transfer it into your account. Um, which just to recap that real quick. So in season one, the reason that Jack tranquilized George in the leg was because that he knew that he had embezzled money from a federal investigation and stored it in an offshore account. So he knew George was dirty. Apparently no one took that money. So G Mace is going to take the money that he embezzled and have it transferred to a Juice Boys Bank of America account. (laughs) Not suspicious in the least. By the way, the bank is about to be incinerated in a nuclear holocaust. I don't think John Mason has that good of a tax attorney. (laughs) Also, he doesn't... Like... Yeah, like, why didn't he just turn over the bank account to him? Like... There's this bank account, it's offshore, it's off the books, like, here's the information for it. Not like, I'm going to take it out of this very safe offshore account and put it in your stupid ass, like, He very specifically said, no one knows about it. Right. 
this the mere act of transferring it to your deadbeat son's now everyone account, knows about it mm-hmm. literally everyone knows about it real, real um dumb. so real, real dumb so so john's only response to that is like what do you expect me to do give you a hug i don't want your money <laughs> and mason just says uh yeah i'm dying <laughs> it's bad <laughs> bt dubs <laughs> yep and john's just like what do you mean, like cancer, something like that? And George is like, yeah, something like that. It's very and, similar. Uh, All of my cells are not working properly. They're actually working very yeah. badly, very quickly, <laughs> very badly. Um, so George also says, hey, it's dangerous to be in L.A. today, so get out, go to your mom's home in Phoenix. And um, he kind of leads John out and tells him to just go, and John starts to resist, and Mason just hugs him so he does get that good hug um and again john resists for a moment and mason just they kind of like hold each other and cries and mason's just like you're a good kid i hope i didn't mess you up too much get out of here and then, yeah and then he get does like that, that classic thing when you're trying to get your like animal friend to leave you you're like yeah get, get he, he almost threw a rock at him Yo, get, get out of here he's literally Arya and nymeria in game of thrones yeah. like go go on <laughs> <laughs> you dumb, so John you dumb runs. Boy. You hate me, <laughs> stupid kid, stupid idiot. So uh, John runs off a newly minted uh, hundred thousand air, and uh, George starts to just kind of cry in his office. And um, we cut back to Kim and Miguel waiting in the uh, blue Lexus, and Kim says, "We can't let this cop take us back to L.A." And as she says that, the officer returns and says, "I'm gonna let you go with just a warning, but you know, drive careful." And they breathe a sigh of relief, and he starts. To, the officer starts to walk back to his car, and uh, what does he see? Uh, he starts seeing little droplets of red falling from around the muffler pipe. Yeah, lots of droplets yeah, the, the, of of the red. The trunk is leaking, uh, and we all know. Everybody knows at this point what's we all know, but what's in that trunk, though? I told so you. Tells, I told y'all last episode. He he yells at Miguel, turn off the car, pop the trunk. So we cut to a split screen, and we see Jack leaving Crescent Collectibles with Nina in tow. We see George just crying, kind of crying at his desk. We see David Palmer signing some papers, <laughs> and we see Miguel get out of the car and walk towards the back of the trunk, the back of the car. And uh, he opens the trunk, and we see the horribly beaten body of Carla Matheson, Gary's wife, Megan's father, or sorry, Megan's mother, in the back of the back of the trunk. Gary has definitely beaten her to death. And uh, the cop immediately points his gun at Miguel, points, pulls him to the ground. Kim gets out of the car. He points the gun at her, tells her to get to the ground. And Megan is just watching all of this as she wakes up in the back seat and is kind of hiding as she watches her au pair and, Possibly new dad on the ground with a gun pointed at them hey, both. I'm gonna I'm and gonna give this out for everybody. Okay, this is the correct time for an officer to draw his weapon upon someone. Mm-hmm. If when you open the back of your trunk, he sees a dead body, not just a weapon, not just a white woman, just a dead body. Mm-hmm. At that point, draw your weapon and point yeah. it at said suspect. But here's the thing: it's fine. Here's the thing. If you think about it, mm-hmm. if they knew that there was a dead body in the trunk, 
Why would he have gotten out and popped the trunk instead of just driving his happy ass away? Maybe he crazy. <laughs> Ted Bundy yeah, said I mean, he was well, innocent for all the time. They're like, we. I mean, Michael. To be you. fair, though, that's a question for later. I feel like if you're the cop and see blood leaking from a thing, it's like you're gonna react in the. I think this is an acceptable moment to react yeah, in no, the moment. Just, you gotta like, say, you gotta say, like, hey, what, what's that? Well, yeah, what I'm Why saying to you, Michael, there? is that if, if if there ends up being a body in my trunk and the cop pulls a gun on me to get me on the ground, I'm not going to later say he went too far. I'm going to say, you know what? Appropriate response. No, I mean, it's an appropriate response. I'm just saying, like, maybe think about it, you know? Later on, they're going to say, why would he think? You know, that's that's for the lawyer to decide. The police officer took the, the correct action here. Uh, you know, uh, thankfully, though, Megan, here's what I'll say, Kush. As much as I believe that Megan was Lil' Kim. When Big she Kim walk to the back no, when of the Big car. Kim tells her to get back in the car, she gets back in the car. Because mm-hmm. Kim, Kim would have wanted back to that fucking trunk and been like, "Mommy, mommy," and it would have yeah. been the worst scene ever. That for a horrifying moment, I thought Megan was gonna walk forward and see her like really just brutally beaten mom in the back of that car. Yeah, yeah, and it's also. So so we cut to the end of the episode. It's 259, 259 seconds. I so Michael, I think you called this, but like I honestly didn't like I, I forgot that this happened, and it honestly does not make any fucking sense to me that Gary would beat his wife to death for on this charge. It's like he has Kim as a scapegoat, possibly. Um I mean that that won't really hold up, but like this doesn't seem like the kind of thing that well, no, this is like, what I think happened. So there was the ep- there, so there was the scene where Kim called Carla to basically tell her what happened. We're at the hospital. Um, you know, this is Gary, and she says, "No, you don't understand." Blah blah blah. But Kim, I think the 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 thing that they're trying to say is, is that like she Kim actually got through to Carla, and Carla was on her way to the hospital, and probably and that's when she was about to walk out, and Gary was at the door, and I think. She finally found it, found the strength to confront Gary, and right. he lost his mind because he's a crazy person. And I, I don't think his he was thinking like I'm going to kill her. I think he just did what crazy people do. And yeah. and then it, but yeah, I mean, it just seems like out of like the blue for like a serial abuser, which Gary clearly was. Like as much as like they the the act out in that impulse, they're also like. There's a line that they no, go to. No, I mean, like, but that's like, what happens. I mean, it's it, it always it's always just serial yeah. abuse until it's too yeah, late. Yeah, man. I Not, can tell you. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a father, like the thought of hurting my child like breaks me inside. So the fact that guy didn't have that inside of him, mm-hmm. it it was it was. I, I can I love my wife more than anything in the world, except for my kids, who are number one. So his if he can hurt his daughter like that, his wife means nothing to him. He doesn't care. So he could kill her. That's fair. If she's in the way, right? Like essentially saying, you know, she's gonna she's gonna ruin everything that I have. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fucking kill her. And he put her in the yeah. trunk so he can get rid of it because he was gonna go to Mexico. So who knows what his plans were for the body? He didn't. He just wanted to do what he was gonna do. Yeah, I mean, and he, that does he, explain why he wanted to get out of the fucking yep, country yeah. if he had. Yeah, that's why he was going to Mexico. Um, yeah, I, I do. I like. Uh, I'm just kind of coming back to this. Like, it seems. I don't know. All of it seems like an overreaction. Um, no, I mean just for sure. Clearly but panicking. Clearly, but. so like clearly, he's the type of guy who 
when he gets stressed, he takes it out on his family. Anyone around right? him. Yeah. And basically, this has become the most stressful day in his life at this point. Right? He's chasing Kim around the streets. His daughter's in the hospital. He's, you know, being que- he's probably going to be questioned. Kim's already basically, you know, the police are coming. Like, he clearly snapped. Well, if you guys notice, they set it up. They set they set Gary's character up kind of perfectly. Um, so every interaction he's had so far with people has been mostly with females. So the doctor who we got an attitude with was a female. The nurse we got an mm-hmm. attitude with was a female. The assistant who called him to set up his you know his whole you know his meeting and then set up his his flight to Mexico with a female. He was just complete dick to them. And then he tried to get a little dickish with Miguel. He got knocked the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Right. He's he's and even like I think he's had one or two interactions with like officers, like cops, and he's been very. Or actually, the paramedic was the only right. dude he's been a dick to. Right. And that's because the guy was trying to help well, him. It, it was there wasn't any sort of power dynamic. Well, and the, exactly. But there was also the the phone conversation right after that. You know, Megan got hurt. Where clearly he was talking to someone who was his boss or something, and basically nervous. they yeah. were dressing him down, and he was. You know, powerless in the situation. Yeah, so it's it's a pretty interesting like view of that power dynamic and and the ability. You know, so when he can control everything, he's fine. And today he just lost it and he snapped. And you know, that's what happens. Most people who kill their spouses are, yeah. are serial abusers who then end up just doing that that one time. But it happens. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So two questions: When do we think Gary gets got, and who gets him? They're gonna they're gonna give us a long. I think this is gonna be a long string. They're not gonna give us the end of this until. Because we're only episode seven, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, probably episode eighteen. Mm-hmm. We'll get Gary. Okay. He hangs on for a while. Then I think so. I think I think they're gonna they're gonna wait till the end. Because so I was disappointed. Because here here's the thing, guys. Like I said before, um, we began this thing. All I knew about Kim is at some point, uh, Kim is in the desert, being either tracked or chased by a cougar. <laughs> and I really wanted this to be the season when it happens, because I want to get it out of the way. Um, because it seems real, it seems, it seems real, real dumb. I just want to, but I don't see how she gets from in custody. Like if she just maybe she pulls a Michael Sarah from Superbad and just nopes out of there from the cop, <laughs> and the cop goes, "She's a freak. She's the fastest kid alive." See ya. <laughs> no, I don't think it happens. You know, if she does though, I will gain a modicum of respect for Kim. She's just like, nope. <laughs> see you later. Kim, also an Olympic sprinter, only uses her her powers to escape from cops. So, so that means that I have another season to look forward to Kim, for some reason, getting herself involved with a cougar situation. Um, so I was a little mad about yeah. that. Um, but yeah, so she's going to end up in jail again and be like, Jack Bauer's my dad, and they won't be able to call CTU because everybody's dead. So we'll see what happens. But Yeah, that, that old gem. <laughs> um Okay, yeah, I think that's a, that's a big one. Um, I'm curious what you think about Ron Wheeland right now mm-hmm. and being in the clutches of Armus, uh, and where that's going to go. So I don't think at this point that I've seen that David has a press secretary. So maybe he hires old Ronnie to do that cush job uh, <laughs> after he lets him out of custody. Okay, or. Someone in that cabal, if I'm if I'm against the president trying to kind of undermine his authority, I kill Orani. That's interesting while he's in, to while, me. While That's he's, nice. While he's in custody, 
And then get the, now that's and a tasty that, turn of Let events. that be a little bit of leakage. Oh, Ronnie's dead, yeah. y'all. What happened to Ronnie? Where'd you see him last? Investigate that Palms. shit. So that, that's a tasty turn yeah. of events. I am I am a hundred percent down yeah. for that. Um, okay. Um, interesting to see. Like I thought Nina was going to actually get away in this one. So did I. Too. I was real mad at Jack. I was like, God damn it! You let Nina get, Nina escape. I I didn't I didn't think that it would be a commercial break and then she would be back in in you know captivity. But it would have it would have uh, been was, ridiculous uh, if she had gotten away. They had fifty fucking SWAT people surrounding the building the where entire town of Vaselli was actually undercover agents right. <laughs> where could she possibly have gone in Vesalia the massive crowds everywhere Vis- just blend in yeah. bro <laughs> the the town of Vesalia was actually all cops and terrorists like it was just a game of werewolf pretty much <laughs> you know as much as you guys make fun of this stuff the the fact that when I first moved here to Chicago, I realized there's both an FBI office here and there's probably covert agents working in this city all the time. I'm like, this is too big of a town. I don't know who the fuck I can trust around here. I might get, I might get got. You did just say Chicago. I don't trust nobody. That's true. I don't trust nobody because you know when they bring a knife, you bring a gun. That's the Chicago way. That's how we do business <laughs> around here. <laughs> well, if you like this show, you can find out more information about it at goodbuddymedia.com. Uh, we put this show up every Thursday, eh, probably Friday at this point. Um, <laughs> this show up every Friday. Friday. It is Friday yeah. already. It actually is. Oh, God, guys, I got to edit this and then get up and fly. No, to you your don't. City no, tomorrow. you don't. They can listen to it on Saturday. Um, We're fine. You can listen to this shit on Saturday, <laughs> assholes. Um, and if you like this show, we do another show, which Michael and I uh, just talk about dumb internet stories called Trends in Low Places. Um, so if you like this one, you'll probably like that one. It's just uh, us goofing on really dumb stories. Um, but if you want us to read a message on this this show or if you have a fan theory that you want me to throw out, Curtis, uh, shoot us an email at goodbuddymedia at gmail.com. We read every message we get and uh, we love to hear from our fans. So even if you just want to tell us how we're doing just a super stellar job. Um, yeah, send us a message. We uh, we'd love to hear from you. So, uh, Curtis, how else can folks help us out? Yeah, guys, you can help us out by subscribing to our shows, either Trends in Low Places or Long Days of Our Lives, on your podcast app of choice, whether it be iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, whatever you utilize to uh, download podcasts on a weekly basis. Go ahead, subscribe to us, and maybe do it twice. Who knows? You know, sounds great. Um, and once you do subscribe, go ahead and like comment review um that helps us move up the charts on those applications and become an absolute podcast juggernaut to bring you the and continue to bring these shows free of charge and uh you know one day we'll hopefully get enough money to be sponsored by beer and or scotch should be fun but michael tell the folks that can help us on the old social medias you can find us on the twitters and the facebooks at L Dual Cast, L D O O L Cast, uh, and you can also find us on. Nope, you can't find us on Instagram. You can find Trends in Low Places on Instagram if you want to do that at T I L P. Don't even don't even look for us there. <laughs> I don't watch your peepers. We <laughs> got no grams. Fuck you. We got no grams. We got no grams. We got to get on the grams. Mm-hmm. We're going to get on the grams, y'all. We'll yeah, when grams. you uh, when you see us post something, find us on Instagram at L Dualcast. Yeah, you'll get to find grams. us on Instagram at L Dualcast as well. And when you find us, and when you see us post something, um, especially a link to the new episode, please share it. 
and like it. Um, comment on it. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Uh, we love to hear from you guys. Mm-hmm. Well, fellas, I think that's going to do it for us. And uh, I don't know if you've heard, but we're running out of time. Doodles. <laughs> Yeah.